of the Grizz Den podcast. We have a packed episode for you because the last time we talked to you was the NBA draft in our live reactions. Unfortunately, when was that? Unfortunately, Ty Smith won't be in the house tonight. He uh, he's a single dad uh, this week. Shout out. Shout out uh, to Ty. So he's he's had to take care of his own. But we've got Brantley in the house. What's up? Hey, man. We got Kraft in the house. Kraft, welcome. Good to be back. International traveler Will Walker. Back, I'm back. Back from back from my scouting trip. Yeah. Uh, Did you see any good prospects? You know, we didn't make it to France. That was apparently is the only one that matters in this next year's draft. But um, we're going to talk about um, where the Grizzlies are at this point. Uh, free agency. The bulk of it has passed. Although, arguably, the biggest the biggest chip in all of this, Kevin Durant. Requested a trade last week, and uh, he has not yet been traded. Was that just last week? I think so. Man. Maybe a week and a half, two weeks. I don't know. Uh, but Summer League is in full swing. The Grizzlies, as of recording tonight, just blew out the Brooklyn Nets in Summer League, and finally everybody looked really good on our team. We'll get into all that. Um, but let's start Let's start going through the news with the kind of high-level topic of you know the Grizzlies. For all the speculation on them being sort of a sleeping giant of free agency, um, decided basically to run it back. And you could point to, of course, a couple of rotation guys getting getting uh, one getting dealt in DeAnthony Melton, and then Kyle Anderson signing with the T Wolves. But just about everyone else is back. So this was um, how. Let me ask you this. In your estimation, guys, where did running it back fall in terms of like what you thought could happen? Was it at the top of the list? Was it second? Was it third? Where, where, where did this reality set in your minds when you were looking at this free agency and predicting, in reality, what would happen? I mean, I, I think that I would have placed it after doing something. I don't know what doing something is. Which I not to yeah, say that what we would, didn't what do would something qualify getting as. a new getting a new player outside of the draft. Yeah. Is what I would say. Like trading through for trade or free agency. Yeah. And I and I went pretty hard in the paint, you know, with some elbows out, grabbing some boards on in terms of like how Kleiman spoke in exit interviews to sort of say like, Hey, there seems to be a shift and it wouldn't surprise me if something happened and maybe something still could in trades like on top of the Durant thing, Donovan Mitchell now is being linked into potential trades as well. Everyone is saying that there's going to be – I think in both of those scenarios, if something actually does happen, then there's going to be multiple teams that have to be involved to make something work. I think we're a, a decent candidate to jump in there if we see somebody or some future asset that we like to kind of get in the mix. We've seen – that's been more of a historical precedent with Kleiman. We're willing to take on a Josh Josh Jackson or um, a Jarrett Culver in a trade, a, you know, a Pat Bev, move off some stuff, get some picks, get somebody else. Andre Iguodala. A, a shout out. Um, so maybe that's maybe a little bit more something to come, but go back to your original question. 
I sort of thought that we might be sort of turning a page and doing something different. And so I'm not necessarily disappointed. I just don't necessarily, in a good way, I'm a fan. So I can't, I don't necessarily have a read on what was happening and maybe we were active and nothing really materialized. And I think we've all speculated and we did, we, we put out some great content on players that we would have wanted. <laughs> That's true. And, uh, Although, admittedly, after after we did it, you did kind of say, uh, after we recorded the podcast, you did sort of say, Brantley, you know, I'm not really excited about any of these. Or, d- none of none of these options really excite me. Out of Lonnie Walker was like the only sort of one. And then after hearing everybody's res- like just poo-pooing on the Lakers getting Lonnie Walker and him being a clutch guy, I was kind of like, well, actually. And who was it? Were you, Kraft, I think you made the point on our text thread that, it's not. It wouldn't be surprising if this front office just avoids any clutch client, and I, I can sort of see it be a strategy for a lot of I love front offices. Point. I love that concept, and I'm like all in on it me because no, who name me a clutch client that's done something great? You're just avoiding the, the dark Lakers. side, the dark side of the yes. NBA. <laughs> that's right. No, definitely. Uh, what do you think, Graf? Yeah. So, uh, so I I do like you know with all the caveats that I do think we got Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell. DeAndre Aiden, Kyrie, we we have a lot of like big things that are going to happen. I don't know if the Grizzlies will get involved with that. I think for me, I thought that both Kyle and Tyus, I didn't expect to have both of them come back, and and I knew that De- I knew that DeAnthony Melton was very much a trade piece. I just would not have thought. I thought we would have traded him for a veteran and not traded him for a draft pick. Um, you know, if if you would have told me DeAnthony. Dante Melton's getting traded. I would have thought for sure it's like him and another player for something coming back. And uh, so that did surprise me. Um, and so I would say I'm surprised, but after thinking about it, I mean, after looking at it and thinking about it, I think I'm mad at myself for being so surprised by it. I would say, because it seems to me that we have, um, that our front office very much believes in our top seven, eight uh, players. And it seems to me that they've made the decision that our core is strong. And the, the only way we're going to mess with that core is if we can bring somebody in that is better, that's better than that top five, six. And I think they just have not found that yet. Another part of this too, I think is I, I, I don't think that it was a situation where, and this is me speculating, but I don't think, they were just sitting back and were um, just not taking calls. You know, I don't think it was a situation that they weren't being aggressive. I just think too, there are probably enough rumors out there with a Durant, with the Kyrie, with the jazz blowing it up. All these teams are like, why would we make an incremental move with our guys that could potentially be better than any of these guys in the Grizzlies rotation? Why don't we hold our chips to see if we can get into a bigger sweepstakes than, let's say, trading for like a Dylan Brooks and us getting like an OG and an OB or, you know, in return? Like those types of moves, there weren't a lot of them in the NBA as a whole. And yeah. so I think it just was a market level, um, you know, situation just as much as it was Grizzly specific. And I think it's important too to note we have 16, uh, 16 contracts right now on our roster, uh, 16 players signed. Uh, for this upcoming season. So we're going to have to get rid of one. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that that could be Killian Tilly. The interesting part to me is that Danny Green is still on the roster and they actually pushed his guarantee date back to January. So to me, Brantley, when you were talking about how do you get involved in some trades, Danny Green is a $10 million contract sitting right there. 
And if you waive him before uh, January, it's only about $7 million that you're owed, owing him. And who knows? He was sitting with the team at Summer League. So that was, to me, I mean, in, in everything that happened, one of the biggest surprises was us potentially retaining Danny Green and him being a part of the team as, as a veteran. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. And do we, because uh, I, I thought for sure we were going to waive him um, since he's not going to be, be able to play uh, this season potentially. Um, so, but yeah, 16 guys on the roster. Um, should we go through all the different pieces of news? Um, ja, let's start there. Sign the max deal. Five years, 193. That can bump up to 231 if he um, makes All-NBA this next season or he gets the league MVP, which would be pretty cool. Um, not counting that out at all. Um, the most interesting part of this, however, is that he does not have a player option at the end of his contract. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about that being a very poor business decision for Ja, regardless of his feelings for Memphis, because the TV deal is going to expire at the end of the 2024-25 season. Um, people think it's going to be really big, and like double, maybe more, of what it is right now. And who knows what they're going to do with the cap. But Ja could potentially be missing out on uh, a sooner payday. So Grizzlies, in that respect, get a pretty team-friendly deal. What would y'all think when you saw there wasn't a player option? What would y'all think when Ja signed the max? Uh, we, we knew it was going to happen the first night, but... What 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 y'all think? I honestly just didn't. I don't really have any massive reaction one way or the other to the player option. I'm not necessarily sure how much stock right now, at least with this current CBA, which encourages player volatility, um, to where it necessarily matters. I mean, I don't. Ja has shown himself to be more on the Giannis side of things versus the LeBron side of things to put kind of two superstar type comparisons in place. But I don't know. I don't have any major emotion. I mean, I think for me, I just think it's, it's cool that he didn't ask for a player option um, because it does make you feel like one, he's not at all worried about wanting out of Memphis before that year. And I think secondly, um, I think he honestly is a player who I could see, being willing to give the team flexibility so that they could bring in other superstars around that time when the cap goes up. Uh, so those things excite me. But really, for me, it's just that, uh, you know, seeing other superstars and and their kind of online Instagram, Twitter presence to just the – I just am happy that he goes out of his way to be excited about Memphis, that he's signing with Memphis, that it's his home – saying things that other players when they sign their maxes are not saying. And just that on the weekend that he signed this massive contract, he was in Salt Lake City helping work out with our summer league guys. And That's just, freaking awesome, by the yes. way. It's an unbelievable leadership. And, he's and, still there. Yeah. Like, he's still there. It's yeah. not just for show when everybody else right. is there. Most people have left at this point. Like, we're right. getting in the second half of summer league. He's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came to Salt Lake the whole time. He's been at Vegas the whole time. And and from it sounds, I mean, you, you hearing from all the rookies how surprised they are by this, and it is it is not. I mean, it is super rare. It's just not other superstars don't don't do it. And so I just I go back to just us getting that lottery ball, and it um, and just how fortunate it is. And just I do love that we have a Giannis type uh, superstar who I just think cares about the right things and is a leader. So and this is a trend that's happening in the NBA. You saw Dame talk about it. 
Bradley Beal re-signing with the Wiz. Those are all in the same category of player types, not necessarily what I would say of the current superstar status necessarily. Dame was at one point, right? Jokic too. Jokic. All these guys. It is kind of we're on the the correct side of history right now with our superstar and what he's craving and wanting. And I can't wait to talk about this later when we talk about John the media. But I think one thing that I'm just seeing with John and and I craft, you're making me sort of contradict my point a little bit, um, or convincing me to, is that I do think John is very savvy. He's savvier than he wants to let on when it comes to what he's doing in the media and what he's maybe even doing potentially with his contract. And I think he may be doing some LeBron-like um, crafting. What like, do you mean by that? Well, let's talk. It's one of my theories with the with the whole jaw interview thing, and I can't wait to get there. All right, we're gonna tease that for the end. We're gonna get into jaw. Let's take a break. Jaw's been yeah. <laughs> when we let's come take back. a word from our sponsor. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's get to the sadder news um, from free agency. It actually happened four minutes before um, before free agency opened. The Grizzlies trying their best to uh, dump some news. Uh, before um, things the floodgates open, but Jaron Jackson, uh, he is going to be out four to six months um, with a foot injury. Is that correct? Foot injury. Yep. Um, and uh, he had to have surgery on it. They are very optimistic in terms of uh, him making a full recovery, but at the same time, uh, four months from when it was announced, which is June thirtieth, is uh, right around the end of October and six months would be more like Christmas. So, um, potentially missing, um, anywhere from, I believe it was like five, around five to 10 to, you know, almost half of the season. So huge bummer. Uh, it sort of makes you nervous because this isn't the first time it's happened with Jaron. We were looking forward to him having a full and normal offseason, and he's not going to get that again. And this leaves the team in an interesting position uh, because we have high expectations for this year and not having your potential defensive player of the year. Anchoring you uh, for a large part of the year is concerning. Uh, where are our concern levels with Jaron right now? Well, I mean, if you start with me, you're going to start with the over-optimistic person, but... I mean, I, I would say that obviously the day of <laughs> was a high concern, but as I've, you know, the, the, the quick tweet from jaw that this wasn't a big deal. And then all the news coming out from Kleiman and Co- and Taylor Jenkins. And then really with the reporting that's happened this week makes me feel like, uh, will you clarify what, like, what's the reporting? Yeah. So the reporting is that it's really not. Uh, that they don't think it's a big deal. It's not like a Gasol-like injury. It's not, no, it's not a Gasol-like injury. They, uh, that I think Taylor Jenkins and Kleiman basically, reg- they lamented his lack of ability to now really work on his game over the summer, but they feel like he is going to be a major contributor next season. They are not worried about it. It feels like they're leaning more towards the Halloween, the Thanksgiving um, return date than the more Christmas worst case scenario return date um they think you know and i I also think 
looking at the moves we've made and, and or the moves we have not made makes me feel also has some confidence that at least on the front office side, they do not feel like, Oh, a panic of, we need to get someone to replace him um, for half the season. So I feel pretty confident that it won't be that bad. My, my uh, sadness is really, I do think that the, imp- some of the improvements that offensively that I think I was hoping might not be there as much, but I think that at work, my expectation is we're getting at least the same players last year, next year for what I would hope would be 55 to 60 games. I, so that's I, sort of where I am. The, I like the optimism and the fan side of me really wants to just like drink that Kool-Aid all the time. Cause I do, I do love the idea of triple J and, um, I I think he doesn't get the amount of credit that he should for accepting Ja immediately out of the gate and like helping be a part of the culture of the Grizz. Like he was the only real him and Kyle. Is this a fair comment? Him and Kyle were the only real transition bridge in from the G and G into this new and Dylan, which Dylan doesn't count because he's Dylan. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> won't make you expand on that. <laughs> yeah. No no need. Um, however, the injury thing with him is, I think you have to objectively say it's concerning. He's under 22, not major injuries, but he's had two an in- significant enough injuries where he's missed at least six months potentially of a season with his meniscus and whatever this foot thing is. He's seven feet tall. He like that doesn't bode well. uh, Players in the NBA historically who have these reoccurring injuries of his height carry them. You're seeing this with Anthony Davis, in my opinion, where body uh, and nutrition of their height is significant. Like he, you know, everyone is sort of suggesting he potentially put on too much weight. He, and he got too muscular. He bulked up too much. That might've been one thing contributing to him not getting to play as much this year. Jaron hasn't had that happen yet. Uh, you see players like Duncan and Gasol lose weight over their careers versus gain them. So like there is this weird, like, thing with his body type and you can just the average fan I think can also just watch him and see he's still like learning his body he's still so young so for him to be learning his body and getting injured at the same time I do think is a realistic concern as a fan that potentially limits his uh, trajectory him reaching his trajectory at the time that we need it to and I think that's how I'm going to start like phrasing my Jaron conversation. It's more about like, do we care about him reaching this thing of what we think he can be while Jaw is also reaching his thing that he is? Uh, and I, I've hinted at that some, and that's where I'm starting to just have questions in my mind around injuries with him and his ability to grow because like – when we get into the later conversations where we think about trade value and what the Grizz would need, 
like there are certain players where I'm like, man, they they're his similar type and haven't had these injuries yet, and they might reach what they're gonna be before he does, and it lines up with Ja and helps us maximize the core. And I think that's how I would articulate my concerns with with Triple J. And and I hear those. I think for me, and and again, this is maybe me giving our front office too much credit or thinking I just. We could have re-signed Kyle, especially for what he signed with Minnesota. And I, and it could be that Kyle saw that he was not going to be in the top eight of the rotation and wanted to leave anyway. But I just feel like if our front office was very nervous about these, like was concerned about these long-term things and even concerned short-term, I think uh, they would have pursued Kyle in a way because he literally started the whole previous season at four for them when Jaron was injured. But he's not so true long-term Jaron no, insurance. he's not. But he's not, but I just feel like that made me feel a little better that this isn't as big of a deal as the meniscus was, you know. But I, I This injury, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not yeah. making this injury like the meniscus. I'm just saying it's two. And all of a sudden it becomes a trend. Right. All of a sudden you're, it's like, is this just who he is? And there's there's play we can name them that are in the league right now that have that are better than probably Jaron ever will be, and yet they still have these types of issues, and it just makes it a hard part right. of, of the thing with right. them. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mean, if you go back to his injury history, you know, first real significant injury in November of 2019, right knee, uh, February of 2020, knee, August of 20, meniscus, December of 20, knee, April of 21, knee. December of 21 knee and then now we have a foot so if you look at the history to me I would have been way more concerned if it was a knee Um, but at the same time I'm thinking about this season and just how if we're really trying to build on the momentum of last year think about who we lost Kyle Anderson DeAnthony Melton what were their calling cards defense Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously defender really all that you have left um in the defense department first is Dylan Brooks. And I'm interested to see what they do with the starting lineup now that Jaron's going to be out because I personally would like to see maybe Dylan try to start at four um, and, uh, you know, see Zaire maybe slotted in at, at three. Um, I'm very nervous about our defense in that respect. And um, We'll see if we survive. I, and, and yeah, again, like the thing that I was most excited to see with Jaron was his off-season development, especially in terms of self-creation because it's something we need uh, majorly. And it kind of sucks because he's not going to get that. Um, so we'll see. But, and I was, I mean, again, I'll be Mr. Optimistic again. But I do, we do need to remember we started off 9 and 10 last year. Um, I think yep. that's about, 20 is about around the average of games that Jaron will miss. Could be over could be under and so to me could we can we obviously depending on the way the schedule breaks but can we be five a 500 team without him for 20 games yes i think so worst case scenario you're saying he returns for our christmas day game against the golden state warriors correct <laughs> that i mean that's that would be unless sorry that's been, a prediction yes. that's not re, that's real not not real news and that would be all awesome. i mean if the nba was smart. i would be upset that he was coming back but i would love the fact that he was coming back on christmas day against the warriors yeah, we would need him against the Warriors, too. Uh, all right, so the next biggest piece of news coming out of free agency is Tyus Jones will be a Grizzly for the next two years, barring any trades, obviously. But um, two years, $29 million. He'll make 15 in year one, 14 in year two. He'll be the highest-paid backup point guard in the league. 
he, um, you know, it seemed as though he was not going to be back. And as things slowly started happening, starting with the draft, some teams that we expected to potentially be suitors for Tyus took some point guards. Um, you saw some other movements around the league. Uh, for instance, I know Monte Morris trade from, from Denver, um, you know, plugged a hole. Uh, I, I honestly am blanking on where he went, but basically that was one of the teams where Tyus was targeting. I'll look it up in a second. But Tyus Jones, point being, ends up back with the Grizzlies. And if you're making a long-term commitment to John Morant at that price, it's nice to have Tyus Jones waiting in the wings just in case something were to happen. And also, um, he led one of the best bench units in the NBA. And so, what did y'all think about the Tyus signing? Um, what do you think that... Do you think that this is going to... Uh, do you think, number one, is it an overpay for Tyus Jones? And number two... Um, what do you think about this in terms of just like the broader context of where we're going? Do you think this signals that um, we're going to be punting on, on, for instance, next year where he's going to be taking up $14 million of cap space, which could be going elsewhere? What do y'all think about this signing overall? Well, first I'll say uh, Mor- Morris went to the Wizards, by the way. Because Thank we, you. We've been talking the Kuzma sign-and-trade stuff with Tyus and a lot of different things. And, yeah, so the Wizards were a big team that – um, got a point guard. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I would not have paid him this much. I think that does show that, uh, and again, you know, we don't know what the original strategy was and how the Grizzlies have had to maybe zag from the original strategy, but, um, it does seem like we use some of our cap space, um, to give to, because my two worries with Tyus were one playing time. He was never going to get He was not going to be a starter. Um, and then two was that f- to retain him, we would be paying, we would, we would only retain him if he didn't have a lot of suitors and then we would be paying him less, uh, than he would think he was worth, which would make him an unhappy player. So I think that is what we did is that we paid him a little bit more to show that we valued him. Um, and, but we only gave him two years. So there's some flexibility there. Um, and it is, it is great jaw insurance as far as the injury. It allows us to rest jaw. We know that we don't have to play jaw more than 30 minutes a game because we have a great backup point guard. And I think now the fact that it looks like um, both with the Jaren injury and with our strategy, we are going to be uh, bringing in a lot of rookies. And I think a lot of inexperienced players are going to be getting a lot of minutes for us. And I think the best case scenario is that we have a veteran point guard who is all about assists, not about turning the ball over. And and I think that's going to be really helpful for developing our players. So I think we went development uh, with the Tyus retention. The number thing is sort of like hard for me. I'm a Tyus guy. I think he is a regular season, just top-tier commodity. With And I think he really – maintains <clears throat> even when jaw is healthy he he helps us just you know maintain seating position which this team now that really matters to this team <clears throat> so i i don't know i could go back and forth on the act on the right number i'm glad to see him back i like having watched so many years with mike conley trying to find a good backup point guard like it was horrible and I think that this allows like guys like Bain 
and you know, I don't know whoever else you would want to say, whether it's Kennedy Chandler, whomever, Bain, some other guards. Like they don't, they're not true point guards, and um, they can continue to work on their craft, and he can thrive in what he's good at, and you know, he's going to have a teeny tiny role in the playoffs as what, and he should, and that's okay. He would. He shot thirty nine percent with almost three attempts per game last year, and if you're going to be playing, um, you know, a in the regular season in the regular season lower number of minutes um you know it's it's important that you're efficient and craft you've always said that you know the one thing that the grizzlies really needed to improve upon were was their shooting efficiency and he's one of the only guys that we could really rely on uh last season to bring that efficiency uh i was you know i think the ties signing really did to me indicate that nothing big was going to happen uh, and it happened pretty early in free agency too. So I had a little bit of mixed emotion at the time because I was like, well, there we go. You know, that's most of our cap space. And while I was glad, it just signaled to me, okay, there must have not been really much else out there um, that could materially improve our team more than bringing back Tyus could. And after a few days of processing, like I was glad. I mean, it really does feel right. Um, it would have felt weird to have um, that position be completely up for grabs because I'm not convinced that Desmond Bain is the answer there, even though he played well in yeah, very right limited minutes. Right, right. I'm not convinced that any of the rookies are going to be able yeah. to come in, especially a Kennedy Chandler who is, we'll get to him, but I mean, he's still really short. I love how he plays, but he just didn't, it didn't feel like we had the right fit there. And this to me feels like the true run it back confidence in your core move and and the more time I had to sit on it the more I was like okay two-year deal you can swallow that like it's um and it's tradable it's at a great number um it's really so, for next year I mean it's really like we're doing it for one year exactly and then next year we can trade him if exactly it's, he's a very tradable contract for yeah. sure so um and just tradable as a point guard you totally. know the teams are always looking for so absolutely and super happy for Tyus um, too, because he was just a guy. He's a he's a culture guy, no doubt. Um, so the next extension, though, I will say, <laughs> or the next signing, I, I was it, it was very unexpected. It, it made me very happy, but I'm sure it, there will be mixed feelings. But John Conchar, three years, nineteen million. Note that he still has two two years left until this kicks in, and so he'll be um, he'll be on the team for a while. Him and Jaw. Him and yeah, John are gonna honestly. be him and John are gonna be Grizzlies for the next five Seriously, years. Seriously, <laughs> uh, John Conchar and uh, John Moran are the only players on the Grizzlies roster signed through twenty six twenty seven. Um, this to me, I'll start here because I love I love Conchar. Um, I I do think he, if you look at his value in a vacuum, six million is high for John Conchar. Um, however. It, this does matter. Uh, Which is two, like two years from now. Yeah. He's making 2.3 and 2.4 uh, for you know this coming season and then the next. And then it kicks in. But uh, number one, I do think they're looking way far ahead at this deal because the TV contract will kick in 25-26. Um, that'll be in the second year of his, of his three-year $19 million extension. Um, so that $6 million number is going to look a lot better uh, with, a, with a bigger cap. Secondly, I think this is just as much a culture move as anything because what they're showing is that 
they are going to reward developmental guys in their system who work hard, stick with it, and um, and I just think that not only signals to your team, but it also signals to the rest of the league and agents especially too. Do you want to have a shot to make generational money? Um, it does not matter if you get drafted or not. John Conchar, undrafted. You know, just stuck with it through the system, gets rewarded for all of his work. Secondly, too, I mean, Conchar is going to get real minutes this year. I do think so. I think he's going to be really important because he fills a need in rebounding, which, um, you know, there were a lot of factors that played into the Warriors uh, series loss, but rebounding was very high on the list there. Um, number two, he's actually a really efficient shooter when he has uh, when he shoots in volume, um, like over three attempts per game or something, something like he's very high 30s in terms of three-point percentage. And, I mean, he's just a pesky defender and has sneaky good size. So, overall, I see he's a utility player um, if there ever was one. His shooting is going to be what determines whether or not this contract was worth it. Um, but he'll be here for a while, and it's yeah. very tradable which, too. Which the stats are good. It's the usage. You know, it's the question is, do the does the 41% three-point percentage stay Stay forty-one when the usage maybe goes up, the shot attempts go up. True. And that's the. But he, I mean, to me, he is, uh, he's the budget Melton. So for the next two years, I think he's going to get some of those Melton minutes uh, this year, and he makes twenty. At least the next two years, he makes twenty-five percent of what Melton makes. He uh, six Melton is going to make way more than six million dollars in three years. And I think that's, and when the salary cap goes up, you know, the theory is that $6 million will look like today's three or $4 million contract is I think part of what the Grizzlies are counting on. But for me, what, what I think I, so I was weirded out by this and I've grown to love it um, because I do think it says what our culture and what the Grizzlies are about, um, which is um, if you, uh, do if you basically do what we ask, if you play in the G League and don't complain, if you're willing to sit on the bench and not complain, if you come in and produce when we put you in and are willing to like come in for a couple games and then be back on the bench and not complain and be a culture guy, the Grizzlies will reward you. And, um, and, he's, and he's a great rebounder, which I think we need from the guard position, um, especially with who we lost. And so hopefully, hopefully it's good. And, uh, and so I'm excited about it. I think it, it shows a little bit more, I think, what our long-term strategy is as far as how we're going to deal with any players that are outside the top seven, eight um, as well. And we can get into that later. But the yeah, thing, I, think the, it, yeah. I think it shows like th- there's two things that I thought of with this is that it's the first one. Well, I have one statement and then one question to both of you. The one statement is like we focused on like the Anderson going away and we compared it, we analogized it to what happened with Grayson and how removing Grayson opened up Bain on the roster minutes, playing time, allowed him to excel. We were hoping that maybe with Anderson's departure, maybe that's a spot Zaire steps in. We do some sort of lineup shuffling and Zaire benefits and he grows. I, I sort of think with the, the Melton thing, they're clearly I sort of speculate, and I think we all do, that this is now going to Conchar. And so they're trying to like, well, can he take the next step? He sure is. He can't be any worse in the playoffs. He might not be as great in the regular season. Maybe we don't really need it. Melton was a great regular season player. He was. He was. He was unobject. He was objectively terrible in the playoffs. 
Man. Two years in a row. Plus minus people still argue yeah, with you a little bit on that. Warrior but series I, seems a little bit but better. I agree. Whatever. But but I Thank you. but I think they all but I think part of that is our front office realizing uh at the end of the day we only are really gonna play eight people in the playoffs. Yes. And so let's I mean, we freaking got a first round pick. I mean, for our ninth ninth or tenth best player in Melton. And I think that's the way they're thinking, and I think they're thinking we can if Conchar's our ninth and tenth best player, uh, that's good enough for us. He might not, you know. We hope we drafted people that are gonna go. They're gonna be better than him, but he's but he'll be on a good contract, and we hope we don't have to play him that much in the playoffs. That's the way I feel like our front office is. And the the other question is that correct me if I'm wrong. I think there are still two other players on our roster that are extension eligible that contract came before. Oh yeah. I and mean Brooks and Clark and Adams too. And, and Adams. Okay, so three. So let's remove Adams for a second. I saw Conchar's extension and found it exceptionally interesting, and like just the whole context of the NBA still that we haven't done an extension with BC or Dylan yet. I think it to me at least showed that the BC and Dylan situations are a little different because they probably perceive their value to be way higher than Conchar does. And you were able to really easily lock Conchar in. Whereas Dylan, I believe that Dylan thinks he's a hundred million dollar player. I don't think BC thinks that, but I still could see a um, difference in what the market thinks of Brandon Clark versus maybe the Grizzlies, but definitely market versus BC himself. And when when is there is there a deadline for their extensions? Before the season starts, I think. That's it. Okay, so I just that whole that. timeline to me in the context of what's happening with some like now we were previously sort of talking about like how do we fit into these big trades? I mean, I think that's really interesting to me. I'm not saying anything's going to happen. Right. I think it seems like we have more flexibility now mm-hmm. with like with those guys without having agreed to terms with them for to be able to make some moves. I don't know. I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but it feels like we're like, those are some pieces. Right. Yeah. You want, and you're no long-term commitment to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think both of those guys are two guys that they wouldn't extend until after some trades have been explored. I mean, you know, I mean, I, so that's just for the for for folks listening and like thinking through the rest of the season before the season starts. Like, well, you were teeing it up. The roster, like, I don't remember when we did our pod last year with the whole Pat Bev thing when it basically like broke while we were podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like it was later in the year. It was because but the draft was a lot it's, later. It's sort of that's sort of where we're at right now. Like, we still sort of know there's going to be some shifting in the roster. And I would not be surprised to see uh, a beloved slash semi-beloved player not on the roster to start the season that's currently still listed. And that could be even someone like Tillman. Right. I mean, we're going to have to cut somebody. So, I mean, Green or Tilly seem to be the the people think, um, you know, but who knows? Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. We can't keep everybody that we have on our team. I confirmed that BC would have to get extended before the last day of the season. Dylan, I'm not sure because he's not a rookie extension, so he might be eligible. But you might, you're probably right on that craft. Um, Yeah, I I think it's really interesting um, because, and I don't think we're. I'd be surprised to see a Brandon Clark extension um, before the end of the off season. 
we'll see. The other, yeah, Tillman is another guy that I would throw in there as being, I don't know. I wouldn't feel very confident if I were Tillman about my standing on the roster right now. With I the mean, guys they drafted, 100%. I mean, he there are carbon copies of Tillman, just a little bit younger. Um, and also, he's playing in Summer League. You don't really see that for third-year guys. Um, which, should we transition to the rookies at this point? We've had Let's a few Summer League games. The only other one small note on this whole like trade discussion is Danny Green. Well, you were talking about this yeah. a little bit pre-pod, yeah. that he's a potentially... Like there's some deadline stuff with him that we extended, which makes it like him another good trade candidate potentially if we were going to get active. Yeah, and he's too. I mean, like this is projecting way far ahead, but let's say like everything goes well with his recovery, playoffs roll around. Danny Green is not the worst guy to have on your roster in the playoffs. Like he's proven, like he fills two needs: uh, defense, both help side and at the point of attack, and shooting. I mean, he can knock it down he's basically uh he's basically like conchar but like awesome for the playoffs he just doesn't do a lot wrong um so we'll see what happens and, to Danny Green. you know i mean at this point everybody on the grizzlies is a good locker room guy but he's like the quintessential for good sure locker room guy yeah so. yeah do y'all know yeah. that he's made a hundred million dollars in his career it's nuts good for him no i was looking at some numbers today that was rooks. shocked me. Let's talk about them. Let's rooks. Talk about the rooks. Um, they've played, I believe, five summer league games, maybe six at this point. Um, I watched. I will just admit, I watched some Salt Lake two uh, game and a half in Salt Lake City, and a game and a half in Vegas. And my t- main takeaways were, Zaire looks like he's progressing. Um, there wasn't a lot to be super concerned about with Zaire because to me, when I'm watching Summer League, I'm looking for outliers. Does somebody look like they don't belong in the best way or in the worst way? And Zaire, you know, steadily improved. I don't think he's, I think... This he is, hasn't looked like Bane did last no, year. No, he hasn't no. looked like Bane. This is my opinion of Zaire. He is, I think people are going to have too high of expectations too fast for him. Like they want him to do yeah. the leap that Bain did. And, and that's unfair. He doesn't right. have very quick movements to me. He's very methodical. Right. Um, he needs a lot of time for his shot, but he's long enough to where he can really get it off. And honestly, like the mid-range stuff was was what I was most you know encouraged by because he was actually doing some like, you know, two dribbles, crossover, pull up from like 20 feet. And it looked really good. And then he also had some dis- distribution. So, you know, Zaire overall to me yeah. is like B plus, and, A minus. And I'm, and I'm one of the degenerates who's watched all six. I love it. <laughs> Tell us why every, you're here. Every breakdown of every game. Yes. No, uh, please don't. I'm kidding. Um, including like in hotel rooms at like one in the morning. So there's something wrong with that. I love it. But, but, uh, but one of the things that I would say is, what I love is there's no way we could ever put Zaire on the ball in a regular season. And, and it does drive me crazy. And there's been a lot of growing pains with that, but I love getting to see uh, like the game tonight and the, and the game before that, that he played and seeing the improvement over five, six games as he figures it out. And even listening to an interview today, he did where he talked about seeing film and being upset with like realizing he missed guys that were open in the corners. And I, and I love that. And I think for everybody who gets frustrated, he's not like Bane. We have to remember 
one year of college. He's 20. Bain had four years of college where he was also, by the way, very much on the ball a little bit more in college and um, and has a very short frame. Like there's just a lot of things that make him, uh, you know, him making that leap much easier than Zaire on the ball. Um, but he's but I've been very encouraged by him, uh, especially the, the biggest noticeable thing is he has gained weight. Uh, he he has been lifting, and I think it's very encouraging. He he looked about a, much bigger in his destroy the guitar uh, yes. video clip <laughs> for nine hundred one FC, and the where shot, he stone cold Steve Austin some water bottles. That was amazing. And the shot looks good. The shot it does. The shot looks really good, especially from three. And so I think he's been very encouraging in summer league. Also, Bain was a guy who had an elite skill coming into the NBA, an elite skill, and no matter what, you're not going to stop it. Zaire's more of a jack of all trades. Like he's going to be able to do a lot of things good. You know, like he he uh, he's a guy who I I think will will be by the end of the season able to tell. I I wouldn't mind him starting just to just to see. I mean, he did pretty well when we threw him into the fire in the playoffs last season. Um, I'd be interested to see, especially with Jaron out. It might be one of those like. Um, you know, best things for him that you couldn't plan. And it just kind of happens because of circumstance. So, um, yeah, Tillman, uh, we mentioned him a little bit ago. Um, you know, just kind of looks like a veteran out there uh, doing his thing. Honestly, would have liked to see him maybe do some things that he isn't, aren't necessarily in his wheelhouse, like shoot a lot more threes maybe. Especially um, for this year if he wants to. I think that's essential if he's going to get playing time this year. Yeah. Because he's got to shoot threes because he's going to be with Brandon a lot. Yeah. I um, mean, and he's a guy, too. Like, I could see some other teams. Um, like, it, let's just say, worst-case scenario, Grizzlies just decide to waive him. Like, I would be pretty surprised if he didn't get picked up elsewhere because he's a very, like, his floor is very high. He just does, He's not a ceiling guy to me. Um, all right, so who's the first, like, rookie you all want to discuss? Because there's a lot of them. I'll let y'all tee this I feel one like, up. Can, can I, mm, I feel like there's like a quick, just like 30 second statement on each of them. Sure. I'm down. Y'all, y'all go Around back and table. forth because I'm just curious to hear what y'all have to say. What do you think about LaRavia? So uh, I think LaRavia, uh, I like the shot. It looks good. Stationary. He, he has struggled when he's had to move, kind of like the thing that Bain is amazing at, which is like the, you know, people go by, dribble to left or right and shoot. That, But, I, you know, again, he's 20. So I, I feel like that is something that in three years when he's Bain's age, I think that will be something he's gotten better at. He, has, he weirdly looks like Mike Miller when he shoots. He does. Uh, very much, which is nice. Um, I want him to so, wear two sweatbands on right. either wrist. That would, but he definitely has the. If he is stationary and wide open, it's like that is going in. That's the feeling you have, and I think that. And then the secondarily, I've just loved that he just seems to make good plays after the first game, uh, which I think he was a little the athleticism of summer league, and but like he he he's in the right place on defense. He seems to just make the little plays. He's, I mean, he is very Kyle Andersony and just. He seems to be in the right place. He seems to make the moves. His lack of sort of athleticism does not seem to be too much of an issue. Um, in fact, I think he's a little more athletic than Kyle. Uh, and so I just think he kind of fits that role of uh, if you're projecting a Kyle Anderson, but who can shoot. Yeah, I felt the same way. If anything, like I was pretty surprised by how comfortable he looked. Like if you told me in, let's just say like the very first summer league game, if you told me to rank 
the order of uh, who was the earliest pick to the last pick. Like, he would have been my surefire, like, okay, he was the number one uh, out of all these guys. And so I was glad to see that, and um, I do think that he is in a position and he has the size to find playing time pretty immediately um, if we need it. So especially with Jaron out, like, I could see him playing some four, um, especially, you know, like mid-second quarter, you know, end of third quarter scenario. And people are concerned by his lack of shots and wonder if that's an athleticism thing. I just really think it's an unselfish, like he will, he just will not take a bad shot. He will not force a shot. And honestly, on a team of full of people who are fine forcing shots, I think that is a good thing. Like I think, because I think his role is going to be being in that corner. And hopefully when we pass it to him in the corner, the crowd is not groaning like they do at Kyle. Uh, and he is making that wide open three pointer because all of, you know because of how good of the rest of our team is. So. Um, one thing I just realized is uh, we didn't talk about Aldama before the rookies, uh, and I think that to me at least, like he Aldama has been a guy who um, just didn't get the same pop, um, didn't get the same opportunity as uh, his fellow rookies, Zaire Williams last year, um, but he had thirty one points tonight against the Nets. Uh, and played pretty well. Um, I I don't think that he's a guy that I've always loved to watch just because I feel like he played very... He didn't play wide enough, if that makes sense. Like, he's super big, but to me, he only played up and down, and so it was hard to see him uh, at his size um, as a potential matchup for, like, NBA-sized centers. And he always felt more like a four to me, even though he was a center-sized or center-height guy. Um, I'm really glad to see that he's cleaning up in summer league, especially the last couple times. Cause I was last couple games, I was getting pretty worried about him. Um, any thoughts on Aldama? I mean, I would just say if you'd asked me if we'd recorded this five days ago, I'd have told you easily the biggest disappointment. Yes. Like he's actually probably of the 16. He's the one I would least be upset by. Like I even would kind of want to keep Tilly over him. Uh, these last two games have been really good from him. Um, I'm still just kind of wondering what the future is for him, yeah. like where he kind of fits because he just seems like not good at a lot of things, but not good enough, if that makes sense. And so it's hard for me to find out, to f- try to think through where, what his future on this roster is. Um, so I'm still, so he's probably the one I'm the most down on, Yeah, I would say, but he has had some, a couple, last couple games have been really good uh, from him, but he's still just... Um, I just haven't seen it yeah. yet. I haven't he, seen what the front office saw. It will yet. be interesting with he and uh, Tillman. These are both climbing front office people that they uh, they didn't take huge shots at. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with these guys. Um, what they're like, like they get off of them, they wave them because they're yeah. they're they're clearly their guys. They kind of drafted right. up for or traded up for, and so it'll be curious. Yeah. I mean, and, and I will say, because I was looking through it, um, uh, and that, re- honestly, the only person drafted after Aldama that has all done anything has been Herb Jones. and uh, But, like, the entire second round last year, like, nothing. And so, in that sense, I mean, it's hard to criticize the move up to get Aldama, but it does potentially look like you know there's a potential here where other than the the Winslow deal this looks like potentially their like second kind of mistake to me the thing with me is too like he is a guy who fills would fill such a need right now because we just need a stretch five so badly 
And so I think that's informing to some of my opinion about it because I want him to be so much better than he is right now. Not saying he can't get there, um, but we'll see. I, I think it'll be interesting to yeah. see how much PT he ends up getting. This we'll season. always have the Suns backward dunk, I guess. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> I was there in person for that. It was kind of nuts, I'll be honest. Um, all right, so I think the next one I'd like to talk about is Kennedy Chandler because um, out of the, the four um, rookies, like the to two that I was most interested in watching were LaRavia and, and Chandler because I thought that those were two guys that had clear paths to, to playing time um, the soonest. The tie signing kind of made that a little bit um, less so with Chandler, but what do you think about Chandler, the way he's shown in summer league so far? I mean, I've liked him. I, mean, I think I uh, he definitely shows why most people considered him a first-round talent, even though he went in the second round, but he also shows why... He went in the second round, which is that he is just very short and he's so small and he's very small. And but his athleticism, his wingspan does make up for that. I mean, he did have he's had multiple blocks in a couple games. Um, he definitely he's made some great steals. And so in that sense, he is good. I mean, he I would say, you know, he reminds me of a Javon Carter on defense that hopefully can also run a team and shoot well. Um, and Javon's actually now, you know, playing better. But I think that sort of to me, it's like That's he's gonna pump. he's gonna have he's gonna have a year to be in be in South Haven, be playing for the hustle, and he's gonna have uh, and then you know with probably some stints if there's a possible injury to Jar Tyus and to get better and you know and that would be you know really it's all for me it's about is he gonna be good enough to be Jaws back up in two years or not on on this very friendly contract we have him on for next four years and uh, but like he's definitely needs to get better at shooting but. He's 19. So the the hope is that his his shot improves um, because that's been looked. It does his college shooting pretty well in college, but he didn't shoot great from the free throw line. It feels more like the free throw line was the better indicator than the three point line so far from just watching him shoot and the confidence. But but I will say I feel like um, he plays great defense. He does seem to be a willing passer. He makes good passes, and he's he he feels like he's a winner. Like he. He wins. He makes winning plays. He had some clutch moments in summer league games. And so in that sense, I am positive on him. And I think I still think for a 38th pick, it's a great pick. Yeah, I I think that he is um, – I mean, he's just really going to have to play at his, like, ninth, 90th percentile outcome for him to have a future, in my opinion, in the NBA. But at worst-case scenario – my favorite Shams tweet of the off season has been like when he talked about Chandler signing the largest guaranteed or largest amount of guaranteed money for an American second round pick ever. Like so many qualifiers, one of those things. Um, I think he had like 4 million guaranteed and that's like the most second rounder who is also American has ever gotten. Um, so anyway, good for Kennedy Chandler. Um, all right. So we got two more Roddy. Roddy was a guy who, kind of like Aldama, um, if you had asked me a couple of games ago, I would have been pretty disappointed because he was obviously the guy that we traded away Melton for, Ty Smith's favorite draft pick the Grizzlies have, have made so far. Um, the bowling ball for <laughs> forever we know. Yeah, uh, and like you mentioned, Kraft, before the podcast, uh, ironically enough, the Grizzlies got a more of a bowling ball uh, in Kenny Lofton which we'll talk about in just a second. But um, Roddy, so far, we don't have to spend too much time on him, but he made some good plays in this last summer league game. 
and you got to watch more of it than I did. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing is I would say the thing that he came in with that he was best known for was the shot. He was 44% from three. I mean, elite three-point shooter uh, this last year, you know, very Bane-like. And that has been the th- that has been the element we have not really seen, and, and he did shoot well tonight. But I, I think that that – I feel like better about – the shot looks good. It just wasn't going in. So I feel like that is going to get there. Um, as far as that, I do think with every game he's looked better. I do think the athleticism um, and just the speed with which the game was played was a little bit much. I do also think, and I think you've made that point before, but just he was the guy. Like he was like it, every, the entire offense at Colorado State was built around him. And I think he's having, unlike LaRavia, and um, so many others, he's going to have to learn what it means to just be the guy in the corner waiting for the ball to be swung to him, um, how to, where to make plays. And I will say I've loved his playmaking as far as just him and LaRivia. The fact that both of them are unselfish will pass the ball to cutters um, that they tend to move with well without the ball. So just all the IQ stuff that I think our front office looks for is there. Um, and so in that sense, I am excited about him. Um so I, I am overly, I'm, you know, positive about him. I think he is going to get plagued by the fandom for being like the guy that we traded Melton for. And I totally. just hope that uh, the fans are patient with him. And, and, you know, and also I've been trying to educate people on like the salary cap and all the other reasons why that trade was made. But all that said is I think he's going to be good. I think I think he will be a rotation level player for us. Um, it seems like, and he, he's really impressed me as the summer league's gone on. Yeah. Um, so the trade was not simply Melton for Roddy. There was more at play. Um, but yeah, and we don't even necessarily, we don't have to have really many of these guys step up and play that much Heck in no. season at all. So I think that's the other thing is like this summer league is like really easy to, you know, like overreact slash react and i mean it's it's all going to come down to like can these guys react to the nba speed which we none of us will really know until it really starts to happen and it's going to be slow and we and that's just the position we're in we don't really have to have any of these guys get significant playing time right right now and we the last couple guys are our two two-way guys uh vince williams and king lofton um who have both played to their strengths in summer league lofton has really made social media uh, headlines, if you will, um, because he's been aggressive. He got the nickname Snack Randolph, um, the way he plays, and it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, Or Generation Zebo, I've heard that one too. <laughs> Generation Zebo, that's great. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chandler, Roddy, Williams, Lofton, and whoever the fifth is on our G League team. That's not a terrible... No, starting Make lineup. it some Memphis Hustle games this year. Seriously, let's get down to South Haven. Um, and anyway, they they Lofton's played really well. And Williams is just he's going to be a shooter. Uh, that's also has he has great size. Um, yeah. I will say he he has very much impressed me with his defense. Yeah, and I think that that's the the question for him is going to be he is going to be the fifth option uh, on the floor, but can he be like a three and D? Can he, because I think his defense translates. I mean, he looks big on the court. He looked like a – I mean, in the, in the terrible game that nobody big? wanted to watch because nobody hit threes in the Minnesota game. And, and, and it's funny because everybody just joked that was the worst game ever. But I will say the Grizzlies played really good defense that game. Is like the guy who wants to remind people about the defensive part of the game. Oh, of a summer league game. People of a summer league game. Yeah, yeah, appreciate like it. We, like he – and he was a major part of it. He guarded – 
what you know the T Wolves best offensive player for summer league and shut him down. And I think the question is just going to be, will that thirty nine forty percent three point shooting that he had at VCU or Virginia Tech VCU right VCU will that translate to the NBA line? Um, can he hit that corner three? But I do think he is a very good. He could be a very good defensive player, and we have him on a two-way. So I, I think you know I, I I feel good about that too. Like I think it's a good, you know. Once again, we got we got like five darts here, um, and we just want a couple of them to hit, you know. And that's not even getting into the top eight necessarily, but it's like being rotation level and then being good enough to where like Melton, we can like get a pick for you in two or three years. I mean, I think that's sort of the hope. None of we, we didn't, we didn't draft any guys who are going to be alphas. We don't need that. Right. Five, five rookies all drafted night, the 19th picker after. Mm-hmm. If you look at the history of NBA draft picks or signings, undrafted signings, I mean, there's a less than 20% chance that one of them hits, which means like, Less than you know, it's likely that zero it's out being of five. A rotational player. I mean, yes. it's yeah. second it, contract, which, right? Which you know, and we might disagree whether that whether we you know just need that to be like a title contender, right? You know, but our front office, I think, thinks we can contend with our top seven and eight, and we're filling in the rest of the rotation with with good guys that we can plug and play who are smart IQ, fit our culture, and I think, and I would say, I think all five of our guys do that. Agreed. So, all right, let's get to let's get to some of the fun we've dealt let me, with. The let me business. make a suggestion here. Go this ahead. has been a great pod. Let's wrap this into a part two. We got some, we got some stuff. Part this is a two parter for all of you people that made it to the end. That's right, and we are exactly on the one hour mark too. So this is a perfect perfect divide. All right, let's get to part two. Where we're going to talk maybe some off the floor stuff. Um, this is what I'm here fun. for. We have I have been here all day. For this content. All right. So thanks for joining us for part one. Um, Hit us up in part two. We'll see you there.